in one thing. If you had told me Alexander was going out for the game early on, I'd have said that Washington would have won. So, I mean, Seattle's not a bad team, but continue. Yeah, yeah. well, I ha- he, he was gone in the in the first half and didn't come back, and they had yeah. uh, Morris. Maurice Morris Maurice from Oregon. Morris. Oh, that was Bam Morris. That wasn't excited. If Bam Morris was, was out of no, he he's in jail. jail. He's oh, in he, jail. Oh, man. If he, like, got out for the game or something. He, he, I think, was since, like, six years definitely, I think, and that was, like, 2000 or something. Huh? Maybe he's getting out <laughs> around right parole. now. It could be parole. <laughs> All, right. All right. Seattle, Come Carolina. back to him. So, I, I, what do you think? Who, who do you like in this one? I'm going to go with the home team. Straight up, I'll take Seattle with the points. I'll take Carolina. What's the money line on this? They haven't come out yet. I don't know about all this gambling stuff. Uh, I'll take Carolina, I think, especially because I don't think we know what uh, Sean Alexander's status is. I think that's a little... Everyone uh, said he's playing. I mean, okay, if Alexander doesn't play, Carolina wins. But But even if he he plays, you never really know exactly what to expect. So Carolina's got the edge. That's my new betting theory. God, what is... Stick with your Del Homie, man. Delome used to be like a very calm, rational guy, but he's just become an absolute (laughs) maniac on the field. He's running around shouting at everyone. Well, you remember the Delome? Yeah, undergone the same. Well, yeah, <laughs> the Delome smack. smack in the Super Bowl was awesome when he burned Rodney Harrison and then just came over to him and started screaming at him. <laughs> they caught it on camera. So you're picking Delome. Oh, I'm I'm picking Daylight I'm picking come. Jake Delome to win this. Day, one. Daylight <laughs> coming, he wanted Delome. Exactly. I'm I'm picking Carolina solely because I think no one can stop Steve Smith. I oh. haven't seen it yet. Hmm. It can't be done. And we'll we'll we'll, we'll save the uh, the AFC championship I'm going game. Denver Broncos. Uh, Patriots or Colts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Steelers. Damn it. <laughs> uh, so that's Your it pick. for today. I'm going with Steelers. So for Dave Bickle, Ted Pickus, Charlie Chubbs, Kellett, Stephanie Nicholas, and everyone else who's just walked in, I'm Steve Lake saying good night and go blue. When you and about to give up. Welcome to another WCBN Sports Production here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Penny, back to pass. Blitz is coming, gets it away, and it's caught by Edwards. He streaks across and scores the touchdown. Braylon Edwards into the end zone again, and the Wolverines have put the points on the board. Will await the extra points with the pressure now squarely on the shoulders of the Michigan Bing Crosby, wrap your troubles and dreams, take four. Castles may tumble, that's made after all. Life's really funny that way. Sang the wrong melody, we'll play it back. See what it sounds like, hey, hey. They cut out eight bars, the dirty bastards. I didn't know which eight bars he was going to cut. Why don't somebody tell me these things around here? Holy Christ, I'm going off my nuts. Uh, The last bastion of freeform. WCBN FM and Ava. Sounds like a bunch of left-wing hippies to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez, that mic is on. The mic's on. Oh, my God. Turn off the microphone. 
Yes, the mic is on, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim DeWire. And Jim, of course, is joining me tonight because he's got the uh, holiday off for Martin Luther King Day. We'll uh, talk a little bit about the assassination, uh, some of the issues involving that maybe next week. <coughs> anyway, um, let's just give... Bush a brain damage award for visiting the Emancipation Proclamation Museum today instead of, uh, I think he's confused about uh, the role of Martin Luther King in history. And of course, I heard a very interesting excerpt uh, on uh, Democracy Now! from the uh, very famous speech that Martin Luther King gave at the uh, Riverside Baptist uh, Church in New York City. On the 4th of April, 1967, exactly one year after he was assassinated in Memphis. Uh, and uh, the content of the speech uh, probably uh, reveals the tru- some of the tru- truth behind the assassination. But we'll talk about that next week. Yeah, of course, a lot of events uh, on campus today. Schools closed, so theoretically some people got a chance to uh, go out and participate in some of that. <clears throat> and... Uh, Interesting story in today's paper about an often overlooked element of the struggle for civil rights. Of course, Rosa Parks, who has spent uh, pretty much the last several decades of her life living in Michigan, uh, passed this last year, and there was much uh, acclaim, rightfully so, for her participation and role in the civil rights movement. But an interesting story in today's paper about a fatal bus incident involving a black serviceman five years before Rosa Parks' legendary refusal to uh, give up her seat. And uh, it's sobering to remember, yes, we want to celebrate the the heroes like Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks, but the hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands of nameless victims of the uh, segregation, the apartheid, uh, that existed in this country under the Jim Crow laws. Uh, this one particular instance, a black serviceman uh, refused to enter a bus from the back door. I mean, this was a guy who was serving the armed forces. He was in uniform, and imagine that. He, he wanted to be simply treated like a human being and to come in the front door of the bus like everybody else. Uh, when he refused, the police show up. There's a skirmish. He tries to run away and, of course, is shot dead. Um, There is a movement underway to uh, officially commemorate this horrible tragedy. Uh, But again, there are hundreds and hundreds of similar such incidents in our nation's history, and it's important to remember those, too. Yeah, the the number of outright lynchings uh, is in the thousands, Um, and it's almost embarrassing to realize that uh, the culmination of much of Martin Luther King's uh, work uh, with the uh, Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 65. I mean, this is just literally 40 years ago. Um, and, of course, uh, once he uh, achieved some of these de jour uh, achievements regarding racial equality, he moved on to more important uh Issues uh, such as the uh, maldistribution of wealth in America, poverty issues, and, of course, uh, the outrage of the Vietnam War. And when you hear that uh, speech in Riverside Baptist Church, it's just amazing to be able to substitute the word 
Vietnam for Iraq uh, to appreciate uh, how little we've learned from history uh, regarding uh, some of the global injustices. And, of course, Martin Luther King was spied on by the American government uh, for all sorts of reasons. And literally within days of uh, King being announced as the recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964, uh, J. Edgar Hoover uh issued that utter uh, bombastic nonsense in the media, obviously deliberately leaked that he uh, considered King the no- most, quote, notorious liar in America, which is really just an absolutely amazing statement. A pretty bold assertion uh, given, well, uh, Tricky Dick was still around on the scene at the time. <clears throat> Not to mention all of the uh, racists that uh, operated... Uh, kind of uh, liberally, shall we say, uh, in much of the country while the FBI infiltrated their organizations and seemed to have uh, did very little to stop their activity. Yeah, and actually it's worth noting, too, that uh, Martin Luther King's father was actually spied on by the Army uh, before the FBI was involved in domestic surveillance. Uh, U.S. Army intelligence pursued uh, those who spoke out about racial uh, injustice in the South. And, of course, you mentioned that uh, African-American servicemen, it's important to remember that there were segregated uh, military units uh, through World War II and all the wars before that. It only took an executive order by Harry Truman to integrate the uh, U.S. Armed Forces, and, of course, he paid a steep uh, political price for this, which led to this... uh, shall we say, uh, civil rights dispute at the Democratic Convention of 1948 in which uh, Strom Thurmond famously bolted from the party and ran as a Dixocrat and in which our good friend uh, Trent Lott from Mississippi uh, famously said that uh, we wouldn't have so many problems today if uh, (laughs) people had voted for Strom back in 1948. Because he knew what was right. And leave it to Trent Lott to uh, come up with that sort of uh, bizarre read on the situation. And of course, one of the most surreal images of American history was uh, Strom Thurmond uh, swearing in William Rehnquist to uh, preside over the impeachment of uh, Bill Clinton. <laughs> well, that was almost as bizarre as the image of the uh, Marilyn Monroe lookalike uh, serenading Strom Thurmond in uh, this last birthday party. <laughs> Deeply troubling. But that's part of our nation's great history, too, this deeply troubling uh, aspect. Uh, Well, Brain Damage Awards, I guess uh, let's give one to the entire State Department. Uh, We could give it to Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, or in this case, uh, State Department spokesman Sean McCormick, who in this recent flap, and this is from an article of last week, well, Saturday the 14th, so just a few days ago, about this uh, attempt by Venezuela to purchase some cargo planes from Spain. Uh, well, according to uh, State Department spokesman Sean McCormick, uh, the proposed transfers, that is this purchase, is not consistent with Venezuela's interests. Well, that's very generous to superimpose one's own sense of agenda onto another sovereign nation's. 
Um, the fear is, uh, McCormick continues, we're concerned that this proposed sale of military equipment and components to Venezuela could contribute to destabilization in Latin America and have made that view clear to the Spanish, Venezuelan, and other governments in Latin America. Oh, my goodness. No, we wouldn't want to destabilize Latin America, although we've done it repeatedly ourselves in country after country. I don't think there's a single country in Central or South America which hasn't had its governmental uh, bodies uh, tampered with by U.S. intelligence operations. Yeah, and it's always been in pursuit of American interests, uh, not uh, Venezuelan, and it's uh, rather presumptuous of McCormick to assume what Venezuela's interests are because... Uh, what is becoming increasingly clear regarding Latin America is there is a movement afoot to uh, repudiate some of the uh, historic uh, imperialism that America has been involved in down there. And needless to say, in the Riverside speech, Martin Luther King talked specifically about uh, destabilization of Peru and Venezuela uh, that was going on in the late 60s. He was even mentioning the fact that the United States was engaged in using napalm and uh, helicopter bombing operations in Peru against, quote, leftist guerrillas. Uh, and this, of course, continues today with the so-called war on drugs, uh, in which the United States does, in fact, use uh, versions of chemical weapons uh, on uh, the so-called coca crop down there that, of course, leads to the unintended, unintended consequences that food is contaminated as well as water supplies. And this is why we're seeing... Uh, these uh, democratic movements in uh, places like uh, Chile, which in fact just uh, inaugurated a yes. female president today, Bolivia and uh, Argentina, Brazil, Venezuela, you can pr- pretty much fill in the blank of leftist governments that are uh, unifying against American interests, which in this case turns out to be uh, either corporate interests or military um, hegemony over the region. And this is all a logical consequence of some of the more bizarre policies that uh, the Bush administration has chosen to pursue. In a recent piece by, uh, I'm going to brag a little bit here, because there's a recent piece uh, in Counterpunch, the online uh, version of Counterpunch, and uh, there's a short piece by Noam Chomsky entitled, Iraq, Iran, and China, a New Global Alliance? Question mark. Well, this is the first time in my experience that I have ever uh, preceded Chomsky with an argument. because, and, and you and I have been talking about this for months down here, that we are likely to see, given the uh, policies of the Bush administration, an alliance between Iran and China and India, of course. This is a huge uh, powerhouse, an economic powerhouse, uh, hugely populous nations. And should Iraq either splinter or end up with a Shia majority government, they would fit right along with this alliance as well. Uh, In Chomsky's piece here, uh, subtitled Beyond the Ballot, he uh, talks about the fact that, well, this may not be comfortable for Washington, but the most oil-rich parts of the Middle East just so happen to fall under uh, terrain peopled largely by Shia Muslims. Mm -hmm. And this is true within Saudi Arabia itself as well, which is primarily Shia, and is the poor, that is, are Shia. Of course, the Saudi family is uh, Sunni. Uh, But uh, there is uh, the potential for great destabilization in that country as well. So this uh, attempt to, 
you know, the rotating agenda. What is our purpose in Iraq this week? Well, if it's still the pursuit of democracy, we are forcing uh, the most treacherous and dangerous possible alliance that the U.S. has ever faced in its history, and it will be entirely of our own making. Well, and it's still bizarre, in my opinion, that the results from the election have yet to be announced. Uh, right. These elections happened a month ago, and obviously uh, shenanigans are afoot to probably doctor some of the results. That and means that, that Shia probably won. Oh, yeah, and that's pretty much established by so-called exit polls, but we know that the Bush administration has a lot of experience manipulating ballot boxes uh, here in America. Indeed. Um, so I'm sure that their expertise at doing this in Iraq, uh, these uh, rumblings of war with Iran, um, as embodied by John McCain, and of course, John McCain is uh, always an interesting figure to talk about because he's, on the one hand, a maverick Republican on many issues, and he deserves credit for some of his uh, pursuits in that area, uh, for instance, like campaign finance and lobbying, et cetera, and some of the anti-torture uh, anti-torture, stands. and some of the things that he did in the last month. But at, at the same time, uh, in public, uh, he can often come across as even more hawkish than the Bush administration uh, with respect to the uh, various uh, wars in the Middle East. And uh, this new um, tempest in a teapot over Iran's nuclear uh, program is scary stuff. Uh, obviously, this is the sort of uh, history repeating itself. These are the same. This is the same sort of rhetoric that preceded the Iraq War, mm-hmm. uh, talking about what a danger to the region Iran is. And while the president of Iran uh, has issued many bombastic, nonsensical statements about Israel, as well as apparently being a bit of a Holocaust denier. There has been some distortion here in the American media about what his actual words were. We'll talk about that uh, maybe next week, because I understand that CNN has now actually issued an apology about mistranslating one of his statements regarding the issue of the the nuclear um, program, quote-unquote, and it's this word program that apparently has been doctored uh, by the media of CNN, and they've apparently been expelled from Iran for this. But in the last 48 hours, it's been very troubling to me that there's new um, outright discussion of possible war with Iran by uh, leading figures here in the American government. Now, the British government has dismissed this as a possibility uh, for a variety of reasons But let's just remember that Iran is three times the size of Iraq. It is the size of Alaska, i.e. about a third the size of the continental United States, and it has 75 million people. And given the fact that the United States uh, fails to understand the dichotomy, the discrepancy between political and economic uh, power versus military power, that there are no military solutions to political problems, as we're discovering in Iraq. A new war with Iran would be um, a travesty uh, for the world at large, and uh, let's hope it doesn't happen. But you can rest assured that there are hawks in the Pentagon and probably the State Department, as well as the Bush White House, uh, that are interested in pursuing uh, this mind-bogglingly brain-damaged concept. 
Yeah, I suppose from uh, a certain twisted point of view that uh, what's one more conflagration? You know, just set another blaze uh, uh, rolling and uh, throw more stuff on the fire, and it's all good business money. And, of course, many of the problems in the region uh, are related to America and Britain's involvement uh, in the political governments of the Middle East uh, dating back to 1953. That's quite a long time ago and explains why... George Bush has so little capital uh, in the Muslim world, political capital, that is, and uh, relies on this uh, flag-waving approach to policy in general. And let's just give him a brain damage award for continuing incompetence as leader of America. It's been obviously explored in the last week that not only is FEMA an agency in complete disarray, and it's my understanding that they have completely botched uh, for instance, these uh, uh, brush fires out in the uh, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, Texas region, uh, where Mr. Bush uh, famously clears brush uh, during his vacations <laughs> and talks about uh, the need to clear brush to prevent forest fires, uh, ignoring the fact that this region apparently experienced the driest uh, year of rainfall in our history since they've been keeping records, as I just saw in the New York Times. But now we're we're being told that the a new Medicare prescription drug uh, plan is being completely mismanaged by the Bush administration. Uh, This man has one too many cronies in control of our government, and these people are incompetent, uh, and they unfortunately have usually achieved their positions not based on their qualifications, uh, which seems to be such a big concern of the affirmative action revisionism that we see in America politically, um, but because of their ability to donate uh, to the Republican Party in one form or another, uh, particularly if they are pioneers of the president, and that even includes Mr. Jack Abramoff. Awful generous uh, with his uh, personal cash there to the Republicans particularly. Uh, And yeah, you'd think that Bush's proclivity uh, for brush cleaning... uh, you know, clearly, he's not well suited to a chief executive position. Uh, I could very easily see him as a, sort of a rag picker, the guy who walks around with a pointy stick uh, picking up trash after a circus. Uh, this is maybe uh, the career for which he's best suited. Either that or maybe a prison warden down on a chain gang in Alabama. Keep a, I'm a shaking, boss. I'm, I'm a shaking. A little... Yeah. Uh, uh, a little uh, tribute to Cool Hand Luke. Well, we certainly have had many failures of, to communicate uh, from these people, and uh, that's not too surprising, I suppose. Um, I mentioned last week the, the recent book uh, by Robert Fisk entitled Great War for Civilization. It's a monstrously sized book. It's, it's nearly a 1,000 pages. I've made it through the first chapter and strongly recommend this book. Whether it takes you a year to read it or not, um, the first chapter uh, details uh, three separate meetings that Robert Fisk had with Osama bin Laden. Uh, the nature of the, the travel to get to these in itself is a real eye-opener to uh, the world of Afghanistan and uh, the impossibility that any outside force is ever going to hope to have any control over that uh, accidental nation. And in a recent uh, book signing uh, visit uh, here in L.A., um, 
actually uh, last month. Uh, I just want to read this short quote from Robert Fisk, um, who spoke briefly uh, at this book signing, that, uh, quote, War is not about victory or defeat, but about the infliction of death. As I reached the end of my book and the narrative of suffering in the Middle East, I marveled at how restrained the Muslims have been against the Western powers who wrought this misery. If you could see what I've witnessed in the past 30 years, you would never support a war again. Uh, and this guy has been there and seen it. He's fluent in Arabic. He was, you know, there in the refugee camps when good old Ariel Sharon let the... Uh, uh, Lebanese phalangists in to wipe out thousands of men, women, and children, uh, refugees, civilians, in the uh, refugee camps at Sabra and Shatila, and uh, he was there. I mean, he, he saw it happening. So uh, this is a book which uh, I think needs to be read by uh, as many people as possible. And fascinating to see over the weekend uh, this little brouhaha over the CIA uh, drone, which apparently fired... Um, missiles uh, from high above the stratosphere down on uh, suspected locations of Al-Qaeda in Pakistan. In Pakistan, it turns out, of course, that all the rumored and, quote, unnamed administration officials that were mentioned Friday night in the BBC as possibly killing Ayman al-Zawahiri were all, of course, incorrect. It turns out this is led to massive protests in Pakistan regarding America's military policy in the region. As hey, well, good, good thing they're our ally. Yeah, as well <laughs> as just uh, a rash of attacks in the last couple of days in Afghanistan, uh, which, of course, is yet another uh, unfinished uh, occupation of American design. In fact, I think a Canadian uh, military uh, person was killed this weekend, um, among others, well, another couple of helicopters have gone down over the last uh, week as well in Iraq, and there have been a variety of suicide bombings in Afghanistan in recent days, which just underscores how, uh, shall we say, incomplete uh, Bush's uh, war in that country is, um, and it further underscores the. Uh, and I'm looking at a headline with underscores, so perhaps I've overused the word since I see it twice. <laughs> A dispute underscoring the new power of gas-rich nations, which actually details uh, the factual problems that America is going to have in upcoming uh, years, if not uh, uh, let alone decades, regarding uh, natural gas and our uh, inadequate supplies, and who actually has this gas. Um, needless to say, it's uh, Russia, Iran, and Qatar, um, which, of course, leads to the... Uh, Interesting question regarding Iran's nuclear <laughs> program, uh, why they need nuclear power, is uh, a matter of uh, dispute. But um, this public relations uh, claim that this, and it's very troubling that the CIA can apparently um, fire these missiles without authorization. I thought that the president was the commander in chief, I thought that the civilian. Pentagon was in charge of military operations. Why have we ceded power, military power, to the CIA? Why are they allowed to do this? This, by the way, this assassination concept is explored in the movie Syriana, hmm. uh, which has some very interesting uh, geopolitical um, 
shall we say, aspects of the current uh, situation in the Middle East. There is a assassination that's uh, actually uh, orchestrated and perpetrated by um, the CIA, so to speak, uh, using an unmanned drone. And this is a new troubling development in the uh, history of warfare, in my opinion. Well, the Bush administration has shown very little regard for any kind of law, international law, even uh, good old domestic U.S. constitutional law. So uh, it's it's hard to be surprised anymore. So it'll be interesting to see what the repercussions are uh, with right. respect to the so-called alliance with Pakistan. And, of course, Pakistan has demanded an explanation for this. And uh, I guess the Bush administration can fall back on the standard ex explanation excuse for why they screw up it was an intelligence failure bad intelligence we thought it was a, an iraqi wedding party that's that's what it was <clears throat> well speaking of bad intelligence i you know uh, obviously missed the show last week uh, because i'm enrolled in this uh, graduate class which just happens to meet on mondays so i'm sure you talked about pat robertson oh yeah but i have to quickly uh, jump on top uh, of that brain damage award uh, because I'm not sure how much detail you went into on it but uh, of course he spoke out uh, <laughs> about Ariel Sharon who is still lingering uh, in this uh, coma apparently he opened his eyes there some people are actually naive enough to think that he may resume his political career I mean Let's face it, the man is finished. Even if he comes out of his coma, you don't survive a major stroke. I mean, the guy was got to be close to 400 pounds when the stroke hit him. He was a not a healthy individual by any stretch of the imagination. Right, which underscores Pat Robertson's bizarre foolishness <laughs> in his comment. Uh, 77 and w overweight now. Yeah, uh, yeah and, and of course, uh, he said that it was divine punishment for withdrawing from God's land. But... Uh, What's really interesting is an article uh, about this from uh, the Israeli paper Haaretz that uh, it was Pat Robertson's wish to build a religious theme park on the Sea of Galilee. And the uh, government of Israel was going to give him this land for free. Boating Tax with Jesus. Free, yeah. Walk on water. <laughs> Walk on water ride is cool. Um, but this is a very interesting article uh, entitled, Israel Suspends Contact with Robertson Over PM's Stroke 